Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Shane Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Outcast Catholic. I am one of your hosts, Father Travis Crotty. And I'm Father Shane Demon. And we're coming to you right now from the illustrious family room at All Saints Parish, St. Joseph Catholic Church site in Lamar's Iowa, the ice cream capital of the world. We're glad you can join us. It's going to be a good time. It's always a good time in Lamar's. Absolutely. Good to be back here. Beautiful day, beautiful uh, kind of spring, summer, summer, summer. I don't know. When's the first time day of summer? Not till the summer or solstice, end of, end of June twenty first. Like yeah, whatever. It's beautiful outside. Yeah, it feels like a summer day. It's nice, and I love this time of year. Um, ordination season, mm-hmm. and sadly, we don't have a priestly ordination in our diocese this summer. No, but we have uh, ordained eight permanent deacons, yes, yes, which is yes. a wonderful blessing for the church here it, locally. Absolutely wonderful. Um, I got to go to a couple weeks ago. My uh, my first like going to an ordination as a priest, mm. which is unique. And I kind of unexpected it's a fun experience. It's great. So <laughs> if you've never been to an ordination listeners, which many Catholics haven't, um, one of the unique gifts of my um, televised ordination was that a lot of people got to see an ordination if they hadn't before. But one of the parts of the rite is that right before the man is ordained a priest, the, the ordination itself takes part with two kind of ritual actions, laying on of hands by the bishop and then the prayer of ordination. But the laying on the hands, it starts with the bishop, and then all of the priests who are there in concelebration with the bishop also lay their hands on on the the deacon who's about to be ordained a priest. Mm-hmm. And there was only like three priests there for mine to lay hands. You were sick, so you didn't even get to lay hands on I me. I didn't make it. You yeah. didn't make it. You skipped. Uh, COVID. There was, so I, I got to go to my friend. Uh, shout out to anybody in the KCK, Archdiocese, Kansas City, and Kansas. Uh three guys that I went to seminary with, but one of my best friends, uh, Father Thomas Maddock now, went to his ordination, and it was a uh, beautiful church, St. Michael's in Leewood, mm. Kansas. It was jam-packed with people, and a hundred priests or so were there. Beautiful. And all of us uh, laying on hands. But as a as a n- kind of new priest, in my first time trying this out, if there's if there's like a lineup of, of guys, ordinandi, is that how you say it, right? Right. It's The real question is like how long do you keep your hands in the guy's head? Sure. Because you're trying to get this nice flow going where it's like, okay, if everybody's there, if every, if every priest kind of puts their hands at the same time and more or less lifts up at the same time, the flow keeps going. But then the awkward thing comes when, the, like, the guy who sits there for, like, 30 seconds, right. and then he's got a backup, a backlog of people on the line. So I'm trying to, like, try to judge this. And then, if you've never been to an ordination, after the guy's ordained, after he's vested as a priest for the first time, after his hands are anointed with chrism, uh, after he receives the gifts, I think, he exchanged a sign of peace with mm-hmm. the bishop and then all the priests who were there. Mm-hmm. And there's sort of like a like a very like Roman liturgical little like hug thing mm-hmm. that people always laugh about. So it's like sometimes some guys do that. Some guys just go in for these big back slapping hugs. Big man hugs. They're trying to know like which way to go with the head. <laughs> um, trying to know like, you know, sure. how much to commit to this hug. Sure. Uh, it's It can be awkward. We made right. it through though. And it was, it was right. nice. Thomas and I, Father Thomas and I, I, th- I the the monastic way of exchanging this kind of liturgical like hug thing is like the 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 senior who's like offering the peace kind of puts his hands on the shoulder and the other guy kind of receives it from the bottom mm-hmm. of the arms. Well, 
Father Thomas and I kind of both went into the top. So it was just a very kind of awkward <laughs> little embrace in the moment. Um, Oops. But everybody's usually just like balling because they get to see the fraternity of presbyterate sure. and of the priesthood kind of come alive. But Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, yeah, if you get to an ordination, even you have to kind of do like an ordination crasher thing and just roll in someday, it is very worth it. Well, it congratulations so to Father Thomas Maddock of KCK. If he, he probably doesn't listen, but I'll, I'll get on him to make him listen. But people, I know people who do listen. No, Father Thomas, so. Oh, sure. Yeah. I was at an ordination once. This is just bringing back a memory. You know, one of the ordinandi was bald. Okay. And, uh, you know, this is a highly sacred moment with the laying on of hands. I mean, this goes back to the Acts of the Apostles. Oh, yeah. We are calling down the Holy Spirit upon a man through physical gestures right. that are, are prayerful and very deeply meaningful. Right. Well, so the priests are going through, and they're all laying hands on him. And this one wise guy comes up. And he lays hands on him, and he just feels his smooth head. And he, he, he just whispers down to the ordinandi, you know, ordinand kneeling on the floor, like a baby's bottom. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, of course, the, ordin- the guy being ordained is, like, trying he to hold it together. It, right. Yeah, he's losing it laughing. <laughs> and he's, he's trying to, like, hey, buddy, let's keep this reverent. You know, let's yeah, ask right. the Holy Spirit, you know, smooth as a baby's bottom. Wow. That was like my first year of priesthood when that happened. Did I wasn't. You, did I, you hear it, or was it just? No, I wasn't. I wasn't next in line, right, but right. the guy who was being ordained came and ran and told me about oh, this. Man. <laughs> oh, that's great! Yeah, so it was just a wonderful time. And then um, he asked me. This is incredible. He asked me to preach his first his mass of Thanksgiving. Oh, uh, what an honor! Day. Incredible honor. So we had that mass, and it was just wonderful to see again. Like I mentioned before in our previous episode that I got to experience recently, but to see the parish rejoice in their son, who's mm-hmm. now a priest. Um, so yeah, it was, it was just an excellent experience of being there. But oh, that's beautiful. Absolutely. Congratulations to you and father Thomas and all the new. Yeah. We have father, father Keith Chadwick and father Luke Doyle in the archdiocese of KCK and all across the country right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ordinations happening everywhere. So congrats. Let's, let's lift all these newly ordained up in prayer that their ministry might be really fruitful and that they will be instruments of the Lord. Way back uh, when I was ordained, there was a little thing called the COVID-19 pandemic that yes. was sweeping across the world. Yes. And it, it had a lot of us sitting inside, and I was finishing up uh, the graduate school portion of seminary studies mm-hmm. uh, via Zoom. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently saw uh, Ray Gunn t-shirts in Des Moines had a t-shirt that said Zoom University 2020, and I was like, literally received graduate degrees through Zoom. So That was you. I was sitting there in the cathedral rectory. And Should I buy you a t-shirt? Yeah, you need a Raygun T-shirt. I appreciate that. Yeah. Okay, they have a lot of other sketchy ones that I wouldn't endorse, but okay. uh, that one's a nice, clean one. So we'll put sure. a bow on that for you. That'd be great. Thank you. Yeah. Anything uh, for you, Father. For ordination anniversary, get to one. Okay. <laughs> um, and this is right around the time when you're talking about, you know, starting up this podcast and a lot of time to sit in front of the computer. Um, a lot of probably too much time spent on social media, but all the live stream stuff, all that stuff is going on. I started seeing all of these kind of advertisements on social media platforms popping up about this thing called the chosen. Yes. Right. And I didn't know what it was at first. And it was kind of popping up here and there. And I saw it, I think a friend, I don't know who kind of saw it first, but somebody convinced me to watch it mm-hmm. and it got the app and I watched it and it was wonderful. And in this past year, basically now, since it's kind of, it was out already, but since it's really gained a lot of traction, so many people, so many Christians, so many non-Christians are encountering the Lord Jesus through the chosen. Mm-hmm. So you've seen it, Father Shane. I have. Tell us what it is for those who have no idea what I'm talking about. So Dallas Jenkins, a uh, Christian believer, uh, 
film director. Mm-hmm. Um, he was really inspired years ago, also with a team of people, to create what they believe is the first um, ongoing series of, of a biblical story. So it's not just one movie. Like The Passion of Christ. Right. It's not just like a two-and-a-half-hour film, like one shot and you're done. This is the first time that uh, you know the Gospels, in their entirety, have been portrayed. There was the NBC did that thing a few years ago. I don't know. Actually, it's probably about five or six years ago now. AD, the Bible continues. Oh. There was the Bible series on the the History Network, and then I think NBC continued it with AD, the Bible continues. And I think those were limited. Those were like a a six or eight um, you know episode episode set. But what uh, The Chosen is striving to do is, I believe, over a seven-year period, a seven-season mm-hmm. period, I think they want to weave together all the gospel uh, narratives. Right. Um, and I think Dallas Jenkins and, and his fan or his, his team is doing a great job. Um, I was encountering this for the first time last fall. Uh, I had just stumbled across it, and I don't remember how. I think it was either like on VidAngel, which is one of the platforms that you can see. Right. If you don't have the app, you can watch it through VidAngel. It's also on YouTube uh, for certain segments, you know, at certain time limits when episodes are released. So I don't remember exactly if someone suggested it to me or if I just stumbled upon it, but I had a day off once, and I just binge-watched in one setting, like all of season one, because well, I was so captivated. And that's what I wanted to say about it. Like, it watches just like a dramatic Netflix uh, show. Right. I mean, that's like, and it's not cheesy. It's not hokey. Um, like I think a lot of people assume um, from just the past when Christians, non-Christians try to make biblical accounts in film, they there there's always a limitation because we don't have perfect costuming and stuff. But right. I think where we've moved with technology and with just kind of the art of filmmaking um, it yeah, it watches like a Netflix series, right? Which was um, its intention, yeah. And it's it's incredibly captivating, mm-hmm. one by the quality of, of filmmaking, but also it's the life of Jesus, mm-hmm. it's the life of uh, the Gospels, and encountering these different characters in in the first couple of seasons, the Galilean ministry of Jesus meeting the apostles for the first time, um, and watching these characters develop. And there, and uh, some some people have made the um understandable observation that, okay, obviously you have to fill in some narrative details because the gospels were not written for the sake of making a Netflix series, right? The gospels were written so as to proclaim the, the charisma of, right. of salvation. I mean, that's what they're for. Right. Um, and that's what they've, that they've been for through the liturgical history of the church that they've been proclaimed in the anamnesis of the Paschal mystery has been relived in liturgical celebrations. But, they've kind of filled in the gaps and on the kind of uh, added some kind of very human elements to make the story flow. Right. Um, but because of that, it draws you into the story of the gospels in a, in a different way. Right. Than is possible through a liturgical experience or a Bible study experience or a scholarly experience. Right. Well, a filmmaker at the, at the end of the day is an artist, right? Yeah. Dallas Jenkins is an artist and he has every right as an artist to portray Jesus as he wishes, right. not well, to, not to detract from, but God's public revelation or the authority of sacred scripture and tradition. But like every Renaissance painting. Sure. Right. Exactly. Icon. If you're a Renaissance artist, if you're a, a more contemporary modern artist, whatever it is, artists will take their particular vantage point. Yeah. Right. And, uh, I think what he's doing is quite creative. It certainly humanizes Jesus. Um, 
the whole title of the chosen is to highlight these chosen individuals right. who were who were invited to become the band of brothers as the twelve disciples, but also the very close collaborators of of discipleship with with the Lord. Those those original apostles and disciples who journeyed with him, who who shared an intimate life with him, who got to know him and were personally mentored by him over a period of years. Um, well, in order to do that in a human way when the Gospels don't give us the background story of most of the apostles. I mean, we know that Matthew was a tax collector. Okay. What's that mean? What's yeah, what's that, that like? mean? How, do, how would you portray artistically his daily work as a tax collector? How do you artistically portray the actual calling? Right. How do you portray the fact that Matthew came from a family and he would have had to have gotten in the tax collecting business somehow? Well, an artist has every right to portray that as they wish. Right. And I think he's Dallas and his team are doing so in a way uh, with really high quality acting. I mean, this is not cheesy acting. Right. It's high quality. It's captivating and it's engaging. I think they're doing it in a, in a remarkable way. So not only does the the filling in of the pieces kind of humanize um, the the biblical narratives. What I'm really impressed is there's these these key moments where you have these one on one encounters with the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, the Lord sits down you know near a fire with Philip. Uh, he encounters Nathaniel, both in Nathaniel's prayer underneath the fig tree, but then one on one when they finally meet through the introduction of Philip. There's the beautiful account with Nicodemus. Yeah, that's I mean almost from John I mean, three. Yeah, that's word for word from John three. And there, but to to be invited into that, it's like the next step of Ignatian prayer, right? Of having kind of like you know sometimes people talk about uh, a little visio divina, lexio divina. Right, holy reading, or like holy, like like praying with an image, an icon, or something. Well, this is like an uh, yeah, a, an icon in cinematography that you're invited into that moment uh, of the gospel that right. can come alive through our imagination in a in a deep way. Yeah, I would love, I would love to have coffee sometimes with Dallas and his team to just say, was the Christian practice of lexio divina really part of the writing process? I mean, how much were you taking these scripture narratives to prayer? And picturing yourself as as maybe the person being healed, right. picture yourself in the crowd witnessing a miracle or witnessing the Sermon on the Mount. What's the temperature like? What's the right. atmosphere like? Um, what's the weather pattern like? What, what's the crowd doing? What emotions are being stirred up in those around you right. and within yourself? As you watch someone being healed, well, what do you want Jesus to heal in you? Right. How do you see Jesus' body language, his facial expressions? I mean, I would imagine... The team of writers are, are Christian believers, and a lot of this work is the fruit of their prayer, the fruit right. of their own their worship experiences. Well, I just absolutely, and along those regards, I'm, I'm just thinking of different experiences of Christian art in the past, and I've heard this from a lot of people who feel extremely outcast from the faith and from the church, get really, really upset with Christian art that depicts the apostles, the Lord, our Blessed Mother, different like scenes from the Gospels, in the context of the Renaissance or in the context of a different time period where they're wearing like period clothing mm-hmm. or they have pale Caucasian skin. Mm-hmm. People get really, really, really upset about that today mm-hmm. because it's the idea of, well, that's not historically accurate. That's, that's not, that's not a, 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 a kind of a historical docu- documentation of that event. That's just what you want it to be. Mm-hmm. But I think that frustration, which it can be legitimate, and there can be a discussion about, like, have we just, you know, painted too many white Jesuses in the world? But that misses the point of 
why the artist is doing that in the first place. Because Jesus is alive, and the saints are alive, and the Blessed Mother is alive in heaven, and we can have a living relationship with them. So we're not trying to just recount perfectly the historical experience. Mm-hmm. But that's where St. Ignatius kind of invites us into, no, what is your living experience right now with the risen Jesus? And how can this different medium of art help engage that relationship? Right. Um, so at a time, if, if painting people in period clothing helps you relate and connect to the saints and Jesus in a deeper way, praise God. Mm-hmm. I think this is a similar thing where they're not in period clothing, but the period medium of sort of like a Netflix type type of show. Right. A multi-season I mean, series. It, it immediately draws you into um, the life of Christ. Right. Um, and it's powerful because it can, because it can be when we just have, and they're beautiful, objectively beautiful um, images or music or beautiful uh, liturgical art from churches and things like that. People can just sort of like say, okay, well that that's fine, but that belongs in the past. And Christianity is something of the past, mm-hmm. but this brings it to the to the present, contemporary. Yeah, and you can tell that it's present and contemporary, obviously, because they're making it right now. But the reaction that people are are giving to this series—I mean, it's overwhelming. I don't know how the chosen staff is keeping up with all the social media responses. I mean, right. just probably thousands and thousands of messages are coming in, comments on YouTube. Um, they have their own app, which is kind of like their primary preferred means of distributing this. So they're at, you know, not at the mercy of other distributors, mm-hmm. um, who might not appreciate or agree with everything that they're, they're portraying from scripture in a Christian tradition. I don't know how they're keeping up with the response, but the response is a great indication that obviously people are wanting to encounter Jesus now. Yeah. Obviously there's a lived experience of Christianity and that we're, we're not just, when you read the comments and when you hear Dallas Jenkins give his videos online offering commentary about what it's like to film this episode or work with this actor or whatever, obviously people are not commenting because, well, this is some historical project. No, there's obviously you know uh, moments where people are being touched with grace right. and they're considering their relationship with the Lord in a new way and also with his bride, the church, in a fresh and compelling right. way. Likewise, at the same time as The Chosen has been gaining so much traction, just a few months ago now, we might have mentioned it before, Father Mike Schmidt's um, Year with the Bible podcast right. was the top podcast on all on Apple podcast apps. Not just the top Christian one, but for a time, I think it was a couple of weeks, was the number one podcast. Right. Which just shows, I mean, and people can say, oh, well, that you know, they're just excited about it, then it'll taper off over time or something. But okay, but look at the interest and the desire and the excitement for scripture mm-hmm. for an understanding and an engagement in the narrative story of Jesus mm-hmm. of the gospels. Mm-hmm. Um, it's clear that our like, especially America right now is so hungry for something more. Right. So I just, it's great reviewing the chosen with you. We're just doing a little shout out, encouraging listeners yeah. to check it out, have their own experiences of, of encountering the Lord through this artistic expression, which I think is very compelling. Uh, I know Dallas Jenkins, as the director, has been getting some heat on how certain you know lines are are carried, right. certain characters are portrayed. You know, I, I think it's hysterical that Peter refers to John the Baptist as Creepy John oh, yeah. several times, and I know Dallas has taken some heat from that. Um, I think you know, there's also the balance of how do you how do you really handle this the human elements and the divine elements of Jesus. Yeah. Every artist, every actor is going to have to make their own choices. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, I think there's some rich scenes in which maybe the humanity of Jesus is being uh, is shining forth very strongly. Some are taking, uh, you know, offense to offense that, to that yeah. saying, well, in his divinity, he would have never done this, or he would have always known exactly what he was going to say at every moment. And nobody in the world has the perfect understanding of the balance between the humanity and the divinity of Jesus right. and how that psychologically played out. And you praise know. God, like watching the chosen isn't the, like that, that doesn't exhaust our encounter with Jesus. It's right. Like, what, and this is my encouragement is if you have seen it and if you have experienced kind of um, excitement and growth from that, great. Let that lead into deeper encounter with Jesus in prayer. Be like the same thing. If somebody went to a beautiful church in Europe and they saw these beautiful pieces of uh, Christian and liturgical art, and then they just took a selfie with it and left because it was nice and they wanted to remember it. Okay, you see the uh, the calling of St. Matthew took us to that church in Rome. Right, San great. Luigi. Okay, great. Right. It's a beautiful picture, and I can leave, and I cannot let that affect my life with Christ. Likewise, we see the encounter with the, the calling of St. Matthew through the chosen. Was it just a cool thing that you watch on Netflix, like any other series on Netflix, or or is it brought you into a deeper relationship with Jesus? Right. Um, all of these things, different Christian art are moments of a touch point back to who Jesus is and that he's alive and that he's in, desiring a, a deeper relationship with us. Absolutely. So watch it if you want. Yeah, they and should. if you have, uh, let it kind of draw you deeper. Right. I was visiting Kenrick Seminary this spring and Father Ben Sawyer, now on faculty, made a reference to The Chosen and he had said, you know, I'm sure this is like the umpteenth time you've heard a homily now focus right. on The Chosen. But he said, there's an image that I want to use so yes, it's an art form. It's it's making an impact. People are responding, you know, on mass. I mean, there's just this yeah. huge, huge response. People are clearly uh, hungry, and they're they're very excited about having a refreshed encounter with the Lord. Right. So, to the entire cast, uh, the directors, all the actors, the behind the scenes uh, workers, we tip our hats to you. We do indeed. Keep up the good work. Um, we look forward to the fruit that that will bear for the good of the Christian message and for the proclamation of Jesus throughout the world. Uh, Father Travis, always good being with you. Uh, we look forward to some more chosen episodes coming up in the near future. Yeah, absolutely. See you soon, everybody. Keep tuning in for some outcast Catholic goodness. Adios. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.